This is the ModPod, brought to you by Modality, helping businesses optimize their Microsoft technologies everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode 13. And episode 13, we are going to be tackling the rights and wrongs of licensing, the good and the bad and the broken of processes, and the highs and lows of using social media in business. And I am joined by two colleagues today, uh, Chris Wheeler, M365 pre-sales consultant, and Jacob Hay, who is instant manager team lead. Got through that in one take. Nah, take that, guys. Uh, Right, Uh, let's crack on and tackle topic number one. So regarding the wonderful world of Microsoft licensing, um, I think it's a given that we haven't really seen any other product on the market quite like the uh, other solutions that Microsoft um, offer. You know, in terms of the vast um, majority of different platforms that are available on that subscription, I think, you know, we're not going to see anything else like it, um, you know, for for a good while, unless obviously, you know, all these uh, wonderful acquisitions that are going on in the background, you know, maybe Google might possibly compete. But in regards to like the landscape, there's so much on offer with it. So we see a lot of these uh, conversations going about with uh, with colleagues, with customers, and mainly around the, the usage um, and also the utilization of these sort of um, the, these packages that Microsoft 365 entails. Um, so back in the days of like normal traditional software asset management or uh, IT asset management or SAM or, or ITAM as, as they used to call it, um, all sort of licensing used to be quite individual so people can kind of refer bits of software back to certain licenses or certain like you know individual packages and when it when it started to evolve into this wonderful cloud landscape of loads of different services being offered um i i tend to believe that the term like software asset management tends to go out the window slightly especially when there's so much on offer and trying to utilize everything all in one go tends to be quite quite difficult so a good conversation mainly that kind of goes around would be around um you know what licenses have you already got at the moment and what's the percentage of the utilization of that um tend to go in one of two directions um and i think this is kind of where i want to bring you guys in just to kind of say if you've got say like a small cut on your finger and you apply a massive gauze to it i mean technically it does the job it you know it covers up quite nicely but have you kind of overutilized that 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 sort of model so it's kind of like a half glass empty half glass full approach and you know in some in some cases where like the glass is half empty do you guys see that as like um a negative experience especially when it comes to people going well you know we've, we've actually got all these licenses we're only utilizing 20 percent of it maybe you know maybe we need to cut back on our you know maybe we need to look at that 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 like expenditure or that utilization and that kind of leads into like a more time consuming process of looking at, you know, all the different bundles that are available. Um, there's a guy um, on he's, he's produced some really good content on GitHub called um, Aaron Dinage, and uh, he's basically broken down each separate product within each of the M365 platforms really well. So you kind of spend a bit of time going through that and kind of having like um, uh, an analysis over the cost of each separate product. And then you have like this um, sort of tipping point where 
there's a sort of like a value when you go for the bundles compared to each product separately. So there, there's that little element that's very, very time consuming and it's very complex and it's, you know, it takes a lot of time doing it, but actually some of the rewards are pretty good. On the other side of things, do you see that as like a glass half full where, you know, you want to see if you can try and, you know, increase the uh, <laughs> whatever liquid you want in that glass, but do you see it as an opportunity to grow that out as well? Um, Obviously, there's there's certain issues um, or so, certain uh, challenges. Let's be positive about this. There's certain challenges around, you know, how you you know how to go about obviously adopting more and more of these packages. But um, what, what do you guys think? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I don't know that anybody I've ever come across really fully grasps Microsoft licensing. Not from the corporate angle. I think it's when you when you've got the packages like the E3, like the E5, obviously they've got a lot of stuff in there. <clears throat> Come back to your gauze analogy, or into medium yeah. or large, um, you know. But uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. So there's one piece which is how do you know, or how do you keep a check on what you're using versus what you need. I think the second thing, which is the bit that really confuses me and i've been around this stuff for a long time is when you refer to the bundles there are so many different variants of these licensing so whether you go for you know uh your e3 your e5 or e3 plus this and uh your ems and you've got your very you know it gets so ridiculously complicated but i imagine that most organizations i'm getting my big tarry brush out here again to paint big swathes across people um will have been sold the e3 or the e5 because it's a fairly simple story look at yeah. all this stuff you get yeah yeah but whether well, not or even. not whether or not you need all that stuff is a totally different question yeah that, that's a big talking point and especially when if say the step up from e3 to e5 would just be we only require phone system license for example that justifies them buying an E5, but actually on the back of that, you've got all of these other tools that may, I don't know, maybe a project got halted previously because it wasn't a, a huge requirement. And now all of a sudden you've got the license and the capability to spin this up. Obviously you have to package that up with, um, you know, like a, a good adoption, you know, process around it. Um, it's quite interesting. It's a really, really interesting subject. Um, and, you know, once you get down to the real, real utilization side of things, it could either be one or the other. It's like, oh, look at all this good stuff. Or actually, we may want to kind of either consolidate or possibly review all of our all of our utilization. I mean, it's like, um, I'm sorry, I keep making loads of references like plasters and gauzes and stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I'd be really disappointed if I had a new Mercedes and they didn't tell me about the sport button. You know, <laughs> it was there. I paid for it, but they didn't tell me. And actually, it's quite a good fun. You know, <laughs> but, but should you should you have looked at the dashboard that you've got to find out that you've got a sport button? Well, you know, if I had time to look at it, I might I might have been concentrating <laughs> on the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so we need we need to pair back the analogies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've got no more. I've got no more. But oh, okay. yeah, it's right. um it, it's certainly a really sort of interesting conversation because you know whatever way you know you look at it, you know there's opportunity there for people to really start to look at you know everything that e5 has to offer mainly you know mainly like it might be 
an awareness piece they need to look at or um you know maybe they need to spend time actually <laughs> i'm going to bring this up i did say i probably wasn't going to but that that whole sam and itam thing there's a new um sort of abbreviation that i like to use called clam cloud licensing asset management really great the reason being is that because microsoft 365 is so huge it just needs a, a probably a person or uh, like a, a group of people that will really spend time to really assess each separate product possibly even the price against it mainly say okay well if this person in this group needs three out of the five functions we know it's an e5 license as soon as they match it up against user personas or what they're doing with the data or devices that they're using it then matches up and we're seeing that more and more especially in um, our workshops as well where we kind of map sort of functionality against those user personas as well okay and i mean jacob from from your side the so the asset management piece that that chris is talking about do you think from that sort of the managed service side people take that into consideration or do you think they just go we've got a thousand fifteen hundred people yeah i think, I think we're gonna think get that yeah, I think it's difficult to really say where that where that responsibility is lying. I think it's it's a real hot topic, like you say, because where does that responsibility sort of lie, especially in licenses uh, licenses that expire after a certain amount of time or renew. If if something's happened in pre-sales or in project phase and then comes into support, who looks after that? renewal at the end does it go back to accounts does it go through to the sales rep does it go is it something that's managed by the sdm is that something of support responsibility is that you know there's a, there's a whole list of people there that can be involved in in that renewal and you know who, who does that lie with where does that responsibility end well, i guess i guess the other thing as well is that you know we, we've got potentially plenty of places that it could sit within our organization somebody should own it um I think there's there's also a question from the customer side. How many customers actually have people checking their licensing and the usage against it? Because realistically, if you're paying for an E5, okay, so if, let's spin things around. I'm the, the CIO of some organization somewhere. If I'm paying for my E5 licenses or whatever across the board, surely am I not going to be sitting there going, right, what do I get for this? Oh, I get all of this sort of stuff, right. And that's brilliant. So you've got all the bells and whistles in the phone systems, but why are we paying that for the for the people on the flat factory floor? Because they don't have phones. And isn't there a sort of a common sense check that needs to be done here? And I, I would say that's the onus is probably on the business. But mm. you know, is how do you get a customer to sit there and go? yeah i've bought this but actually do i really want to have a conversation to sit there and analyze what i've bought this is kind of where the opportunity you know especially around partner experience comes in quite nicely so in in previous roles it's always been something which i've been quite it's going to sound really sad but i've been quite fond of especially with the the processes of going through you know different spreadsheets different utilizations going through user personas and actually when you get to an end goal of showing the customer what originally they thought about doing to where they could go now especially around sort of customizing licenses because you know you can have you know certain bits together to achieve certain functions um good example um education sector is quite a good example actually so the a1 license is completely free of charge you can then buy the office apps on top or you can go for an a3 license which includes both but you pay more for it 
you know, you lose some certain functions, but, you know, taking time to understand, like, you know, what different options are available or just really understanding, like, who's going to use what? OK, not everyone's going to need Office Apps Scope. That's a reduction anyway. And then you start going into, OK, analytics, uh, security, voice, all, all that good stuff. All of the add-on licenses, you know, like you've got your Visios, you've got your projects, you've got Dynamics, um, you know, in the world of you've got common area phone licenses. You know, and then really starting to spend a lot of time, not not around the technology as such, you know, the technology works, but just understanding the best way of licensing that as well. Does that sit, like you said before, does that sit with IT? Does that sit with the CIO? Does it sit with finance or procurement? Because obviously they're all dream licenses. It's a big, it's a big massive question mark that, you know, it's um it's it's apparent that doesn't, you know, doesn't usually get looked at too much internally. And obviously that's where that's where your partners come in with uh, all that wonderful bundle of experience. And obviously Microsoft have got their great SAM team as well, and they've got all of their licensing experts as well to help along the way as well. Mm, I do wonder whether or not um, uh, some organizations just buy one of the the main SKUs out of ease. Um, yes, it's ease, yeah, just, you know, just throw the goals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, yeah it, it does the job you know and you know there are other sort of things to bear in mind that if you're a massive enterprise customer you've been so used to um purchasing licensing on like organization-wide agreements so everything's all standardized you know that that used to be just the the, the normal automated process of just okay we've, we've got say five thousand six thousand users we're going to buy five thousand e3 licenses great okay there might be a, a few bits where they kind of identify that mainly like a thousand people are frontline workforce, for example, or frontline workers. Yeah, it's quite and, generic, isn't it? It's quite a generic yeah, approach. Yeah, <clears throat> but you know that that changes between like an E E plan and an F plan, so that's not too bad. There's a little bit of differentiation, but then you start going into like the E ones, the E threes, the E fives, the bolt on licenses, all, all of the more kind of granular bits of really getting um, a good indication of exactly you know you, you know you've got the difference between your frontline and your um your general workforce um but actually your general workforce is then made up of loads of different departments with loads of different security needs and loads of different requirements they might use different devices you know so is that a hr thing who knows you know getting to know your staff a bit better would that then sit with hr instead that's another <laughs> you know it's a mystery yeah <laughs> It is, it is it is quite a complicated field, but I, I do think it largely gets overlooked because the amount of businesses we go into and they go, yeah, 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 we've got E5 across the board. Yeah. And you just look at it and go, what are you doing Why? security? Yeah. Oh, well, we haven't really looked yeah. into that yet. No. Yeah, the one question <laughs> I usually ask is, why have you gone for that? And, uh, you know, it takes a bit of a a bit of a thing but you know if, if they come back and say you know we, we use it purely for telephony then okay there's an opportunity here because you've got all these other wonderful tools to use what are your thoughts you know you might not be speaking to the right person because if you're looking at telephony you're speaking to somebody you know in the you know in the communications team or you know somebody who looks after the the pbx phone system so actually looking at all the other features of um e5 around security analytics you know, that's where you can start bringing in more and more people to say, actually, you know, this project you want to kick off. Actually, did you know that we've got like loads of licenses that you can utilize for it? Oh, happy days. I don't have to, you know, don't have to budget for it, you know, and spend a bit more time obviously thinking how we're going to get it up and rolling, um, who's on board, um, you know, bringing other tools or other sort of um, great processes like ACM, adoption change management, um, you know, other sort of third party tools which might enhance the experience as well. Um, yeah. 
possibilities are endless. It's definitely something that customers need to look out for, I think, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. it's just it's just a sanity check on the thing, isn't it? We've bought all this. What are we doing with it? You know, I either reevaluate your licenses and Microsoft won't like this, but you know, maybe take some of them down, or actually look at using the rest of the stuff you're blooming well paying for. Yep. Fill the glass up. Fill, fill the glass, glass up. up. Fill the or glass or up. half half fill the Mercedes. Um, press that sport button. We can co combine your uh, <laughs> combine your analogies. I'm going to press that sport button. I'm going to put NOS in it. <laughs> I'm going to go Fair Need enough. for Speed style. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Um, well, why don't we go on to uh, the second topic, which was the good, the bad, and the broken of the processes? Okay, let's go to topic two. So the good, the bad and the broken of processes. Um, I think this is a really hot topic because there's a, um, a an argument for having rigid processes and there's an argument against it. Um, I've been really lucky to work on both sides of that. Um, in, in working in managed service, there was a lot of processes that we needed to follow in terms of um, contractual obligations and understanding what we support for a customer and, and what we don't support for a customer and, and how to deal with those types of requests. Um, and I think they work really well. I think having that dotted line across where you do support and you don't support, but you're willing to offer help is a really good is a really good sort of place to be with a customer. Um, and it really helps to develop that relationship, especially if you're willing to go that little bit of an extra mile over that dotted line. But they understand that when you got to your limits, that's it. And, and you're already doing them a favor. Um, and then I've also worked in in a, a very fluid process driven uh, side of it in, in incident management in that when we started doing this um, about 18 months ago, there was no process. There was no real understanding of what the incident management role was. And I've been lucky to be involved in, in writing that up and creating that job role and, and understanding the processes that are required. Um, and I think what it's shown me more than anything is that having a, a baseline process really elevates the level at which everybody can work. Um, I think having that flu uh, that fluidity for people to be creative with those different types of processes really sort of lets people shine. Um, and I think one of the key things to understand in that is that everybody has their own method of working. Um, so working from the same same baseline allows people to be creative with their understanding of it and and really, you know, make that process work for them. Um, and I think that's the key in in processes because I think if if you stick to a rigid letter process like. For example, if you get a cold call from someone who's reading from a script, you can tell straight away. But if you get a cold call from somebody who's allowed to try and sell you something, you can tell as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that really, really works for processes because you can you can have a baseline for what you want to achieve, but the road that you take there is really up to you. Um, and I think that really, really benefits managed mm. service and, and working in technology. Yeah, and I, I think it's um, <clears throat> in some respects it's like it's like many things, isn't it? It's process in the right place. Yeah, it's when you overkill processes and you or you underkill them. <laughs> can you underkill something? I guess you can. Um, 
that would just not be killing, wouldn't it? That would be maiming. But there we go. That's a whole different spin-off tour. <laughs> but it, it is, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. Going the extra mile, being that little bit flexible, puts an awful lot of um, faith, you know, into you from the customer. Um, but having the process there to back you up to stop people taking advantage, I think is, you know, is an interesting one. It's... Um, you know, if your processes and your adherence to those processes are too rigid, you're going to look like you're just reading through the contract to say, nah, I'm I'm not doing it. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're in a service business, right? And one of the things that, you know, we will like to go the extra mile, we would like to try and do things to the customer. But the amount of times that you hear across various different businesses, the phrase of we're not a charity, you know, is is probably <laughs> is probably more than you should. Um, so I think, you know, I think processes are good. Um, you know, Chris will be able to, to to validate that, you know, even internally processes wise with uh, the pre-sales piece, you know, it's like put your requests in here in this way. And that way we can actually make sure that we've got all the right resource and we've got the backup to be able to drive it through in a proper yeah. time. Yeah. And we can we've measure got the traceability it. of it. You know, when people start to buck the process, that's when things start to go wrong. But that I would say is a process in, in the right place. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> are we doing it because of uh, empire building? No, we're doing it so that we actually know that everything's being taken care of properly with the right, you know, level of, um, interaction should we say yeah definitely i think that's 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 uh, yeah perfect um so what happens re- when you get a broken process what happens um, then so I, yeah i think there's a couple of ways you can frame it i think it, it very much goes back to the the glass half empty glass half full sides um there's a there's a broken process in something that's so rigid you can't stray from the line um and that and that's where you start to see um problems in customer service um a good example of that is if you're working with a vendor on a major issue um and it stops being a collective effort to resolve the issue it starts being a finger pointing exercise where where people start to they stop trying to fix the issue and start trying to prove that it's not them that's caused it um and and that's where you start to see the massive levels of satisfaction drop in a customer and, and their attitude towards the the service and the product as a whole start to drop um i think that that's the that's the sign of a broken process um just because it's so rigid you can't stray from the line Mm. Um, no i was gonna i was gonna say i guess the other thing with a broken process is from from my viewpoint is you've got to be open and prepared to change your process yeah ongoing all yeah. the time. It's, 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 you know, the second you find something that doesn't work, you shouldn't be sitting there and going, oh, yeah, well, that's just the way the process works. It should be, nah, sorry, we, we, we need to tweak this, we need to twiddle that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for that. I think in in working in incident management for the last year and, and being, you know, the builder of some of those processes, I think the main thing that I've tried to convey when when putting those processes together is that these aren't the final 
say when when we when we send them out and and start working from them these aren't the final say um because we can't, so, we, can't we can't plan for every eventuality something's yeah. gonna come up where we need to adapt so if you've created the processes you are the direction to point the finger in yeah. exactly yeah, yeah it's you know i'm if we're going left or right it's I'm, I'm turning left let's go from there and then we'll understand where we need yeah. to be further down that road you know we can't we can't plan for every eventuality things are going to come up and scenarios are going to occur that we've not planned for and we need to just sort of, excuse me work on our feet um and i think that that's a really good sign of a of a you know a fluid process that you know achieves the goal that it's set out to do um mm. like i said okay. before it's not necessarily the the road that you take it's the the goal that you achieve at the end it's you know understanding how to get there I think you could you could possibly boil this down to something quite simple in the sense that is there a good process bad process whatever it is there's just a process but there is an onus on everybody to be prepared to amend that process for the better mm. absolutely yeah it's I a broken think... i guess it's a broken process when you refuse to change it yeah absolutely yeah. yeah you allow for like creativity and um everyone's people skills as well if you know how how proactive as such um it was quite interesting because you mentioned about um the the you know we're not a charity um explanation but actually mm. as part of a charity you have volunteers that have signed up and are willing to help you know everyone out and obviously that that plays a good part as well so even though you know yeah we don't do things for free of course given obviously there is a process for it but actually once the process is right and you you know you guys are given that nice bit of freedom to steer away a little bit maybe apply their people skills maybe be creative maybe apply more knowledge and expertise in some areas don't know but actually they're doing that because they want to and they're happy as well yeah and that's what comes back to the customer in the fact that, that you've got yeah you you you've got a sort of a, a united front coming in there to to basically better better the process, better the product, better the service, whatever it is, for for benefit of both parties, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, that's perfect way of describing it. Is you've got to be you've got to be able to act on your feet. You know, it's 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 the way of understanding the outcome and and the goal rather than yeah the road that gets you there. It's it's using your skill set to determine how you're going to get there some people mm -hmm. do that differently than others and it's you know having that acceptance that not every time it's going to be the same there's always going to be something that you weren't planning for you didn't you didn't predict um yeah cool good all right so we've done the uh the good the bad and the broken of the processes we've done the what did we say it was the rights and wrongs of the licensing so now it's the highs and lows of social media Right, topic three. Right, my topic for today is, uh, well, it's actually Jacob's topic, but we're <laughs> I'm introducing it, uh, is the highs and lows of using social media yeah, for business. Um, so I guess really, you know, from from, from my angle, the lines between business social media and personal social media are forever being sort of <laughs> destroyed um i know that i'm connected to a you know a bunch of people from work 
Um, I know that there are other people in work who absolutely point blank refuse uh, any kind of connections. I haven't instigated most of them, by the way, but um, you know, you, you have your uh, your Facebooks, etc. And you've got your, your personal life laid out on those. You've got your potentially more formal uh, sort of LinkedIn where you're effectively saying, yes, I'm happy to connect to you and you can ask me a question anytime in the next 30 years and I won't remember who you are, but I will answer your question. Um, you know, um, but, you know, we, we post things on there about, uh, you know, podcasts, corporate updates, webinars that are coming up. Um, some people put praising, you know, uh, up on, on LinkedIn, etc. But where 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 are the boundaries? What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do with social media? Because I would put some very very different content on my social media compared to what I put on <laughs> corporate wise. I think uh, I'm going to be speaking from personal experience here because uh, I, I've got a wife that absolutely loves social media, um, and drilling down to the reasons why she likes social media. Um, I'm going to be very nice and uh, just say, look, all of her pictures look amazing. So if she is listening, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But I think in terms of, um, you know, the, is this, the boundaries. Is this a high it, risk route you're going down here? Because no, I don't want to no, be responsible don't worry. for anything. No, 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 don't worry at all. Don't worry. This is going somewhere. Um, and I think that the boundaries between using it for a personal setting compared to business use, I think one of the ones that I tend to find quite a bit of is the, um, I call it self-validation. Obviously, we use social media to kind of emphasize how great we're doing. You know, we've got a new car or we've been on holiday or we've got a new, I don't know, a new pet or something. And, you know, you end up getting a load of praise um, from, you know, from people that you've never spoken to before or people that you haven't spoken to in ages, close friends, relatives, or all that good stuff. Um, you don't tend to use that in a business setting. So if I was to say, oh, look, I've just got a new car, the only way I could probably use it is, oh, look at all the business models going to do with it. <laughs> but is it relevant? Yeah. Is it relevant in a business set? Is, is it relevant in a business setting? It's, it's not. So, you know, that's kind of like a borderline, which I never would see in a um, in a business setting unless the business allows it. So generally speaking with social media within a business setting, so if you've got something corporate like Yammer or if you use something like LinkedIn or um, other things like Workplace um, from Facebook, um, you know, some bits can be quite formal. So it'll be things like um, collaboration, file sharing, all that good stuff. But, you know, we, we, we've got it within our Yammer site. We've got some fun pages where people share their um, cooking or share their, their fitness goals. And um, as long as that's controlled, I think that could be quite a good um, environment to be in. So you've got some of the real, I wouldn't say, well, I'd say serious, work is serious, but actually some of the other stuff that makes social media quite fun. Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of an area where, I mean, the self, the validation from others is great because that's where you do praise other people. But when you've got things like, you know, the, the pictures, you know, the selfies and bits and pieces, I never would see that. I never would see that in a business setting. No. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I, I I'm connected to God knows how many hundreds of people, whatever it is on, on LinkedIn. And realistically, you know, it's built up over the last 20, oh God, about 20 years, is it, I guess. Um, but, you know, there are people on there who, who pop up occasionally in my feed and you see what they're sharing and you're just like, I, I, I don't get it. It's almost like they're trying to use LinkedIn 
in a Facebook sort of casual style way, and it just jars. Mm. And I know, light-hearted, absolutely fine, but at least it's kind of got to be topical <laughs> in some sort of relation to to the working world. Yeah. But likewise, you know, I, I'm, I didn't quite get my account linking right a good few years ago, and I ended up posting my work stuff onto uh, onto Facebook. And I had the flip of it with many, people coming back going, I don't want to know about your work. It's how many like, likes oh. you get? <laughs> yeah, none. Um, uh, but I, I, th- I think there's a quite a clear demarcation, really, between that sort of personal private thing. I think the, the interesting piece from my side is what you consider personal relationship. So LinkedIn is very formal. I don't mind if somebody's related, you know, business-wise, work-wise, whatever, I've met them at a conference, I'm happy to connect to them. When you get onto the the, the, the social, the Facebook social media type thing, um, if somebody who is a colleague turns around and says, actually, do you know, yeah, will you, will you connect with me? I'll probably say yes, um, but I'm not going to talk about work on Facebook because it's really there for friendship and social and you know, nonsensical, you know, <laughs> whatever I'm junk saying, I'm not, saying work is, I'm not saying work is not positive vibes, but, you know, <laughs> talk about yeah. things other than work. You, you know, it's coming up to the six months reviews, don't you? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, though, right? It, it is a very different arena. Yeah. And I guess, actually, you know, is there a pattern to the kind of people that I connect to from work on, on Facebook? Probably, probably not actually i think it's a mixture of there's been salespeople, there's been um support people there's been back office staff so yeah i think i think it, i think it's a real mishmash of you know if you if you get on well with somebody at work i don't see the issue with it yeah i think there's a really interesting dynamic now as well between the between the two in in interviewing specifically especially now in a, a post-covid world where I reckon 95% of the time, if you went for interview now, it'd be like this over over video, which is not stopping your interviewer looking at your social media pages while we're sat here talking. Yeah. I think that, that's a real, that's where people need to be really careful. And I think that's where sometimes the lines are blurred, because like you say, some people use LinkedIn like Facebook, and I don't necessarily think that that's the correct way of using it sometimes that can hinder you more than it can help you um i've definitely seen some questionable things on linkedin that would make me think what, what are you doing where are you on you the think right? you're being funny when in fact yeah it's yeah it's not it's not the the best of of sort of pictures to paint about yourself and i think that's a really sort of in this new world especially with social media is new in itself you know it's, it's relatively new on all formats but now this new world of instant access everybody's got access to everything unless you're super careful and you know hide everything in your in your social media platforms just a google search of your name i could you can find virtually everything out about a person um, mm. and i think that sometimes is a, is a danger as well knowing the people out there um but especially in the business world where one comment you made five years ago can really stop you from progressing your career um you know and, it, and it, it's it's literally just one comment that can stop you from getting that you know that next promotion the, the internet never job. forgets right 
yeah exactly that you know it's, it's there forever someone's taking a screenshot of it somewhere and and that picture will be out there forever or that comment will be out there forever so mm-hmm. yeah i think i think there's that element to the the social media side of business as well that the blurred lines are, are getting almost too blurred into the fact of merging the two um but also, also there's there's another there's another angle to it as well which is you've got something like linkedin which is as i said it's 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 more of a formal thing isn't it really mm. but you've also got your your instagrams and your twitters and stuff like that and of course once you put something up on there that can go anywhere you've got no restriction over who can see it who's not seeing yeah. it who's you know who retweets it who i mean you know fundamentally similar for lots of platforms but you know you do have to be super careful i think how you use it i guess you know that's why i tend to keep things completely separate is you know i won't put work stuff on facebook and i won't put you know sort of facebook stuff on 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 linkedin but um bearing in mind they're owned by the same uh, yeah <laughs> no, 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 i don't know who no microsoft bought linkedin didn't they yes yeah. so, yeah. yes exactly i knew that i knew i'm up on this i'm down with the kids um but yeah i think i think you know there's a lot of people who don't necessarily play it right um but you know used in the right way it's pretty powerful i mean you, you only have to look at advertising webinars and stuff that we do yeah definitely that's great there's a there's a room for people who have built brands as well through social media you could you can do virtually anything with it and i think it's about you know understanding the tool and using it to the best of its abilities and i think that's the the real sort of take home is well understand your audience as well as the platform yeah well i mean we've obviously spent a fair amount of time sort of talking about the the negative sides of it i was talking to to my wife no last week something like that and um she was talking about a a perfume shop that she uses regularly and it's it's a well-known one um and uh yeah and she basically turned around and said, oh it's just it's just a pharmacy in wales <laughs> and it's like right and they've just built themselves a fantastic brand on on social media and you know great website and all of a sudden they've got like a you know like a national market yeah. Oh, so yeah fair play yeah definitely i think especially with the audiences that you can you can get on those platforms it's 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 very easy or well i say that with bated breath i think it's easier than it was 15 years ago to build a brand or a global brand now because of the outreach of social media you know all you need really is two or three um what's the word influencers to pick up your brand and you've got you know the yeah. outreach to, to millions of people around the world couldn't really uh, do that with myspace could you <laughs> <laughs> we're talking like 15 16 years ago could do that after, even... after you dialed up <laughs> yeah i could show you what music i like <laughs> by uploading a code <laughs> that's it yeah cool right i think we're just about at time actually to be honest i've got no idea what time we've totally run to but uh yeah we'll work that one out um thank you very much gentlemen i hope you've enjoyed it pleasure I bet you had a bit of a bit of a laugh whilst uh, whilst going through the pain of uh, of, of recording it. Um, so yes, just a reminder that we have uh, had Chris Wheeler, who is M365 Presales Consultant, Jacob Hay, who is Instant Manager uh, Team Lead, 
and we will once again be back in two weeks time with episode 14 thanks very much take care this is the mod pod brought to you by modality helping businesses optimize their microsoft technologies everywhere